contractually obligated to follow each other on Twitter. You're listening to Query and Schultz on Fox Sports 97.5 and 1260 AM. Now, this is Eddie Grant. With Der- what are you doing, Derek? What are you doing? He's, he's biting his lower lip, and you're, like, robotically moving from the side. Did you hurt your back like it's I did last week? Dancing. Do you know how to dance? <laughs> that I don't is think you know how to dance from how you've talked about it on the show. How great is this, too? Derek, you look like one of those... Um, like car washes have those inflatable people with the, with the wit, like the, you know what I'm talking about? Jake, there are dances for certain types of music. This is more kind of like a new wavy sort of thing. So you have certain dances for stuff like that. I'm very eclectic in my dancing ability. I just kind of feel the rhythm of the song and then my body goes in whatever direction it goes. Now, would you like to guess where this ranks in 1983, Derek? Didn't you say it was like 33rd? 22nd. Okay. That's how strong 83 was. Yeah. I'm telling you, the 1983 top 100 for Billboard music that Casey Kasem counted down is literally like the 83 quarterback draft of the NFL or the 84 draft for the NBA. Deep, deep, deep talent. Every one of those songs that I was counting down, people were like, oh my gosh, I remember this song. They even had a long distance dedication. But if you take any, you were what, 12 in 83? No, I was, I mean, I turned 11 in 80, okay. at the end of 83, yeah. If you to ask any person, hey, when these songs came out, when you were between the ages of like 11 and 13, Underst- they're going to know every one, Understood. Right? The difference being, Derek, you were born in 83, right? Yeah. You knew every one of those songs I just mentioned. Except for one of them. I didn't know the, uh, one of the ones that we did. What was it? Which the, one? The, uh. The Jeopardy song. I didn't know that one. You know that song. I don't know that song. Yes, you I know do. the Jeopardy theme song. You have look it up. You got it in the system. It's called Jeopardy. Jeopardy by Greg Ken Band. Greg who? <laughs> Greg Ken, K I H N. Yeah, dude, I have no idea. He marries what a this corpse is. in the music video. It's a great song. This sounds like every uh, single song from 1983 to 1988. Oh. Oh. oh, is this how you dance? Wow. Jake's swaying uh, around, snapping his fingers. Okay, hold on. Where were you when I needed you? I, I, I've never heard this song yes, in my have. life. I'm 36 years old. Never heard this song once. Okay. It's a great music video. Anyway, good afternoon to you folks. Hopefully you are enjoying a good drive on the way home while we bump out to a little Greg Ken. Uh, what number did we say this was, Derek? This was 33? No, 30. W- wait a minute. Hold on. I'm getting conflicting reports here. Uh, 33 apparently was Keep Feeling uh, Fascination by the Human League. I have no idea what that is either. Oh, you know that song. Keep Feeling Fascination. No, never heard it. Fashion Turn. She Blinded Me with Science was 23. Okay, I know that song. Jeopardy was 21. How about this? Little Red Corvette by Prince was 25. Wow. (laughs) What's that tell you? Yeah. That's some deep talent. Um, speaking of deep talent, the Pacers are hoping to have exactly that with a couple of new faces now. It is official. It seems like because it was the weekend that never ended that a lot of the moves that have taken place for the Pacers and around the NBA were forever ago. 
But we now know Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, will become a tandem with the Los Angeles Clippers. George apparently did to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Look, man, turnabout's fair play. Sorry for Oklahoma City, but now you know how it feels because Paul George basically did the exact same thing he did to the Indiana Pacers. He went to him and said, you can keep me if you want for the year, but I want out. I want to be traded to the Clippers because what happened was Kawhi Leonard being the last domino of free agency to fall, Kawhi Leonard wanted to see what Kevin Durant wanted to do. And Kevin Durant said, I want to go to Brooklyn. So knowing that he couldn't team up with Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard went to Paul George, met with him shortly either before or after, but then the same day as meeting with the Clippers, he met with Paul George and said, you want in? And then he went to the Clippers and said, if you can get Paul George, I'm coming. So the Clippers picked up the phone, called Oklahoma City. Meanwhile, Paul George met with Oklahoma City and said, look, I want to be traded. So Oklahoma City figured, well, we got a disgruntled guy here. It's going to be a disaster having him around if he doesn't want to be here. So we might as well trade him and get what we want. What's interesting about that is it kind of gave Sam Presti the outlet, as you mentioned earlier, Derek, a very good point. Oklahoma City now had their out to go ahead and start the rebuild because as good as Paul George has been, and he's been a wonderful player for them, there's no doubt. Last year he was sensational. But they got beat in the first round. Yep. You know, it wasn't like they were knocking on the door and were an inch away or a player away. They they didn't win a playoff series. But right? in this case, they had leverage because they knew the Clippers were going to do everything to get this deal done. So this was an unprecedented trade package that they got in return. I mean, think about it this way, Jake. Think about all the big names that we've seen traded over the last couple of years. And Paul George got more of a net return trade-wise than Kawhi Leonard did to Toronto. Right? Yeah. I mean, five picks? Five picks and Shea Gillis-Alexander, who's a nice young player a lot of people are really high on. The picks they got, well, they also, you know what? Danilo Gallinari is not a bad player, right? They got the Nuggets first in 2020. That's presumably going to be a late first-round pick. They got the Heat first in 2021, probably a mid-round, mid-first-round pick. The Clippers first pick in 2022. The Clippers are hoping that's going to be like the 28th overall pick. The Heat first-round pick in 2023. The Clippers pick swap in 23. The Clippers first unprotected in 24 man the, i mean the clippers gave up how many players here picks it's ridiculous do you see that the thunder added another number one today they gave up on jeremy grant and shipped him out for a, a number one a 2020 number one so they've got just r- a ridiculous amount of assets coming up but here's the thing jake a lot of people are saying what you said about well how much are these clippers picks going to be worth right but hear me out here how quickly are things changing in the nba Every couple of years now. Right. Well, just for example, there are, what, six players? How about this, Derek? There is not a single player in the NBA this season playing for a team for which they won a finals MVP. Yeah. There is also There are also, I believe, only seven players from the 2017 All-Star game playing for, their, for that same team. I mean, you wouldn't want a Spurs pick five years ago. But a Spurs pick now is probably going to be somewhere in the top 20, right? Back end of the top 20. But that's probably where it's going to be. You know, Golden State next year. Where's Golden State going to finish? Is Golden State going to be a 40, 
five win team? Fifty win team? Somewhere in there, right? So things can change really quick. I mean, this could just as easily go kaput for the Clippers. I, talk of anything being a guarantee is, I think, silly. Um, we don't know how Davis is going to fit with LeBron. We don't know what Durant's going to look like recovering from a major earth-shattering injury, especially at his age. We don't know that Kyrie is not going to be a malcontent and mess up everything that the Nets have build, built there with a solid young core. You know, there's so many things that we we just, we don't know. But what I like is that this decision, this is the best decision for the Pacers, and it's the best decision, I think, for NBA parity in general. If Kawhi would have gone to the Lakers, then you felt like you would have had a, a redo of the, the Golden State dynasty all over again, and they're going to run the show for a couple of years. Now, you probably have as many as seven, eight. Somebody tweeted 10, and they listed the Pacers. I, I don't think that's realistic. The Pacers aren't going to win the NBA championship next year. I think you have realistically seven or eight teams that probably have a legitimate shot to win. And normally in the NBA, that list is more like three or four or five. You have a very small handful of teams that legitimately have a chance every year. I'll tell you what, Derek. The East, though, is wide open, right? Oh, yeah. I mean. Because what's Toronto going to be now? And Brooklyn waiting out Durant. Uh, who? Brooklyn Thank you. waiting out Durant. Uh, Boston made some wholesale changes and lost a little bit here. I they, mean, Milwaukee they is on presumably their still going to be pretty good because Giannis is obviously that yeah, good. Yeah, but you take Brogdon away. Brogdon was the perfect guy to play with Giannis. Knockdown shooter. I mean, what he brought to the table for Milwaukee was really invaluable. Is is Brooke Lopez, Jake, going to be able to repeat what he did last yeah, year? That's... Is George Hill going to be able to repeat, especially what he did in the playoffs? Who is Eric Bledsoe? I mean, the Bucks have questions, too. And then the Pacers with this new core of players, everybody's got questions. The Sixers. Horford, and you gave a boatload of money to Tobias Harris. No more Jimmy Butler. Who, who's your guy? Tie game, 20 seconds left. Who do the Sixers give the ball to? Embiid? Ben Simmons? Who's your guy? Good question. Because for all of his faults, Butler was their dude. They don't really have that guy. Each team, Derek, someone made the point earlier, and it's it's a really good point. It's like NBA Jam, right? It is a little bit, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, every Where you team. Have two prominent, everybody's got two prominent guys, Correct. it feels like. And it's just now it's a matter of who has the best supporting cast. But but who are Indiana's two guys, you know, when he's fully healthy? Oladipo and what, Turner, Sabonis? Yeah. I mean, maybe Brogdon. 239-1260. Speaking of new Pacers, we are going to talk to one coming up later on in this hour. But next, Jake, uh, another Adrian Wojnarowski story. And really? something that is happening today that I used to spend weeks waiting for and anticipating, and I literally just remembered five minutes ago that this thing was happening today to show how much it's waned in relevance. We'll tell you what that is in five minutes, Corian Schultz. This job is the longest query has ever gone without being fired. You're listening to Query and Schultz on Fox Sports 97.5. Get to the latest Woes news here in just a second, but Jake, 
my whole world used to revolve around an event that's happening tonight, and I had completely forgotten that it was happening tonight until about five minutes ago because you turned on one of the studio TVs. Did you have any idea that the Home Run Derby was tonight? Did not, and I didn't even realize it was All-Star Weekend. I, I, I listened to both Reds games over the weekend against Cleveland, um, and have been following the NL Central pretty closely. I saw the Cubs-Sox game last night because I was at my parents' house. They had the thermostat at my parents' house set at 79, Dude, by the way. Dude, my parents are the same. It's not my dad's fault. It's my mom. My mom will open the windows until it's 90. I think when it crosses 97 degrees, then it's, it becomes too hot yeah. for her. I mean, I, it's psychotic. But anyway, um, no. I, the Home Run Derby I have never liked. Partially because when it first happened and it was Chris Berman and it was just, you know, back, 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 God, for every single, yeah, it's a home run derby, dude. That's what they're supposed it, to it do. It got a little bit over the top for sure. You think? Yeah. Um. So. And it's too bad because I think part of it too, Jake, is that it's not necessarily an indictment on baseball even though I think baseball has become heavily regionalized. It's just that we um, we talk a little bit of baseball. We have Joe Sheehan on weekly, but for the most part, not being an MLB market, I mean, this is a football, basketball, and a little tiny bit of racing show. That's essentially what this show's about. College basketball, college football, NFL, NBA, little bit of IndyCar here and there, maybe a sprinkle of NASCAR, maybe a, a sprinkle of baseball, sprinkle of soccer. And that's about it. Here's the Woj news. Story filed at ESPN in the aftermath of Paul George's departure. Russell Westbrook is welcoming to the idea of Sam Presti engineering a trade that would bring an end to his illustrious 11-year career. Look, we knew that that was possible, right? Bring an end to his career with the Thunder. With the Thunder, sorry, yes. Miami has expressed interest, a destination that appeals to Westbrook. So maybe while we're on NBA Jam teams... Maybe Butler and Westbrook. Their salary situation is rough, though, isn't it? Could Miami actually take on Russell Westbrook's deal without Here's the dumping deal. a bunch on OKC? Here's the deal. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Here's the deal that someone sent to me, Derek. Let me see if I can find it. My phone gets a little cluttered sometimes. All right, here we go. Miami would get Russell Westbrook. The Pacers would get Justice Winslow. Oklahoma City would get uh, Goran Dragic. How do you say Bam's last name? Oh, I know who you're talking about from UK. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Doug McDermott, TJ Leaf, Miami's first rounder, and the Pacers' second rounder. Um, yeah. I mean, okay. I don't know. That deal doesn't jump off the page to me. Um, I'm a little bit surprised that Winslow could be had for McDermott, Leaf, and a second rounder. I mean, that's that's the bit of bit pieces there. Leaf, who we're not even sure is an NBA rotational player. McDermott, who I think was disappointing last year, all things considered, and hasn't really been able to stick anywhere. And a second rounder is whatever. I mean, a second rounder is the right. the stale bubble gum in your 1987 pack of Topps baseball cards. People just throw it right around. They don't. They don't even care about second rounders. I mean, you look at any NBA deal. It feels like there are like five second round picks that are involved in each one. 
<laughs> teams just, oh, here you go. All right, let's we'll throw a second rounder. All right, sure, thanks. Uh, Jake, what if you in- included Aaron Holiday over Leaf? I don't think the Pacers want to part with Aaron Holiday. But again, give me that. Yeah, certainly not for Winslow. Give me that. Um, give me that trade again from the my from the OKC perspective. So OKC is taking on Dragic, Bam, McDermott, Leaf. Miami's first rounder, which would not be for like another year, and the Pacers second. Rounder. Yeah, no, I'm not. Do- I'm not doing that. Um, I'll have Westbrook I, play for me for another year before I do it. I would think that I'm Westbrook a bunch would of spare get parts and bad money. Derek, I would think Westbrook would get in return major pieces. Like I would think Westbrook is a guy that you're going to get back all star levels, also, right? But you don't have a ton of leverage. I mean, at least the Dragic deal, if I'm not mistaken, is expiring. He's on. He'll be on the last year of that deal, whatever they're paying him, like twenty million a year or whatever it is. Um, but I think I would need more than that coming back to me. I would. I would need. I mean, ideally, maybe not the Clippers package, but the Clippers package is great because you a- attached a promising young player, who most people really like, plus all the picks. To get George. Now, I'm not saying Russell gets five number ones because I don't think that's going to happen again, but I, I would hope, I don't know, two number ones and then a fairly established young player or at least a guy that the jury isn't all the way out on in return. But beggars can't be choosers, right? Teams know that they have to move on from Russ because. They want to rebuild. There's no reason to have Westbrook scoring have 50 no a leverage. game for you Correct. to win 35 games. Who cares? If anything, he's harming you because you'd rather just bottom out. Um, did you know that Tim Kirchin is the size of like a horse yeah, jockey? Yeah, he's little, little, little guy. I didn't realize yeah. that. Like he's on a set here and for – When I think you're little, then you're pretty little. I mean, I, and I'm not saying – you know. But he is tiny no, on he, this set. He literally looks like he's like five foot flat, isn't he? Is that what he is? I'm, I'm pretty know. sure. I mean, let me let me look it up real quick to be sure. But I'm pretty sure Tim Kirchin's like five feet. You tall. know, he's a a very very good baseball journalist, no doubt about it. I just I didn't realize he's that. He looks like he could not weigh more than like a like ninety five pounds. Oh, this says he's five four. I don't know, man. I mean, who's he standing next? to? Is that to Ryan Howard? This? Okay, maybe yeah. I mean, Ryan Howard's got to be up there. Okay. But still, the cameraman's not doing him any favors here, I used he? to get a kick out of Derek. The Tim Kirchin, like, pieces that he'd do, literally, that were like, Rafael Palmero becomes just the second first baseman to hit more than three home runs on Tuesdays in a month that didn't end in a Y. You know, I'm just like, what? Yeah, it was a little much. Two three nine twelve sixty. Jeremy Lamb. Uh, hey Jake, what are you guys smoking? I was just asked. What? Oh, we're talking about someone else's trade proposal. That's not our yeah, trade yeah, yeah. proposel. Yeah. yeah, exactly. To to make that clear, that is just somebody on Twitter, right, Jake, that said that. I mean, I that somebody deal, just texted it to me. Correct. That deal to me is not enough coming back to OKC if I'm Presty, and I don't really know. Okay, Winslow, you get think, for the Pacers, but. I, are they taking on spare parts? I know that Derek, that Russell Westbrook has had injury issues, and you know his he has not. He is a guy that is a massive 
stat guy that hasn't always translated into big-time wins, but I do believe that I still think that he is somebody that would get that would necessitate or require Oklahoma City getting back really big yeah, pieces instead more, of more just than TJ Leaf a dump. Correct. Yeah, the thing is, everybody attaches TJ Leaf into a deal, but the question is, who wants TJ Leaf? We have no idea what TJ Leaf is right now. This is probably the last year he's going to have a chance to show what he is. TJ Leaf, there was some frustration that TJ Leaf did not go to summer league because he was asked to go to summer league, and he's my understanding is he's got a very good work ethic, uh, work ethic or has. But I think that the Pacers felt like T.J. Leaf still was in a situation where he needed to be yeah, he needs working much, out with other than just like his inner circle. He needs as much spin as possible. Spin. Nobody says Yeah, spin. playing time. Burn. Whatever. Spin. It's a common term, nobody, Jake. Nobody says that. Yeah, it's a common term. Okay. Two three nine twelve sixty. Jeremy Lamb, new Pacer, going to join us when we come back. It's Corey and Schultz, Fox Sports 97.5. This is year eight of the show, which is seven and a half years longer than anyone thought they'd make it. This is Clary and Schultz on Fox Sports 97.5. Derek, when the Pacers announced some of their moves and the different players they acquired, I'm betting that you were excited when Jeremy Lamb was coming, not because of the fact that he's a guy that can play at the two, maybe move to the three, but mostly because he's a guy that comes from at least collegiately, the state of Connecticut, your home state. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, uh, our next guest is a native Georgian, but because he spent some time in stores, Connecticut, and of course I called Connecticut home for 18 years of my life, uh, he's a guy that I remember watching play on a UConn team that made a fantastic run in 2011. Unfortunately, it came at the expense of Butler. But joining us now, newest pacer Jeremy Lamb on the Omnisource guest line. Jeremy, before we get into basketball and all of that, I just want to give you a chance to formally apologize to the people of Indianapolis for taking away a national championship from Butler in 2011. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, I can't apologize for it. I just hope I can build my relationship with with them now. (laughs) No, and we're looking forward to, you know, all kidding aside, we're looking forward to having you here because I think you're uh, an intriguing player. You know, you've been around for a while. You were with those Thunder teams that made a couple of runs. Then you go to Charlotte, and they're one of those teams that's trying to kind of find their way. Are you excited about rejoining probably a winning situation here in Indiana, and was that part of what attracted you to signing with the Pacers? Uh, yeah, for sure. I'm excited, um, you know, to be on – to be with the Pacers, it's, you know, because the – the organization is is expected to win and you know I I wanted somewhere where I could grow and I could have a chance to win um and you know the league is not they're not going to give you anything you still got to go get it so it's a great opportunity a great challenge for me to um keep trying to get better keep um working um and just taking advantage of every opportunity I have Jeremy I'm curious if you could kind of shed light for our listeners on how free agency works from a player's standpoint. And by that, I mean, do you say to your agent, Hey, give yourself 72 hours, take the biggest offer. Or does the agent constantly call you back and say, okay, here's what we have. Which place would you feel most comfortable? One would think that you're the one making the decision but how much influence does the agent have? How many different teams are presented to you? Just take me through kind of that entire process. Um, 
I'm not sure how it goes for everybody. I know for me, it was very nerve-wracking. Every time my phone would ring, I'm looking like, oh, it's my agent. You know, um, and basically, you just, you know, he tells me who is interested, and then I make, you know, the decision what's best for me, where do I think I would fit in best, where do I think I can grow, and um, make a decision and go with it. So based on that, why Indiana? Because I felt that it was a place that I could grow, a place that I would have a chance to win. Um, You know, I like the culture, um, very professional organization. They take care of their, their players. Um, you know, the fan base is amazing. It's a great, um, basketball city and, you know, that's, that's all I can ask. I'm not very picky. I just, you know, go into the best situation that I, that I feel is for me. And I just work and work and try to give it all I got. If we're to assume that Victor Oladipo misses the first month or two of the season and, and you're starting, let's say Oladipo comes back and then Nate goes back to him as the starting two guard. Are you okay moving around? I know you did a little bit of that in Charlotte, but are you cool with that? Absolutely. I've I've played every role from, you know, coming off the bench, starting, riding the bench, D-League. I mean, I've done it all. So, um you know, I'm going to just do my job, you know, while I'm in there, whether it's coming off the bench, whether it's starting. And, uh, you know, once Oladipo come back, uh, coming off the bench is, is, is my role, then that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to do it to the best of my ability and, and um, you know, just, just try to win games. Jeremy, going back to your college days, I was curious about this. Many, many moons ago before you – or for that matter, Derek, we're watching the NCAA tournament, but I'm the old guy of the trio here, so I was. I remember when a young coach named Jim Calhoun had Northeastern in the 1984 NCAA tournament. They won their first game, a play-in game, and then they get in and they get beat at the buzzer by Virginia Commonwealth. And if I'm not mistaken, your father is the one that hit that game-winning shot to knock out Jim Calhoun, and then Jim Calhoun ends up coaching you to a national championship. Did he ever forgive your dad for that? <laughs> I, I, he did not until we won a championship. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> then it balanced out, right? Yeah, once we won the championship, he said, okay, now you can bring your dad on campus. <laughs> did those guys have, like, a chuckle over it? Yeah, they did. Uh, I remember when they first – when they was first talking about it and they was recruiting me, um, he said, he said, all right, well, since you hit that shot, you got to give me your son. And, uh, you know, we laughed about it for a while. Um, but end up going there, and like I said, he didn't forgive him until we won. You obviously played in Charlotte. I was curious your thoughts on this for our listeners. There are many Indiana fans here, as I'm sure you know, Jeremy. And if you don't know that, you'll figure it out once you start playing. And Butler and Purdue and other schools. But – um, what would you tell people here about your impressions of Cody Zeller and just how he fits in Charlotte, what kind of teammate he was, and what his long-term presence will be in the NBA? Oh, I, he was he was a great teammate. Um, to me, I felt like he literally only cared about winning. He didn't care about 
how many shots, rebounds, but nothing. He he cared about loose balls. He cared about block shots. He he cared about setting screens, and um, you know, he just that's the, that's how he was. And um, he was just a great teammate. He did everything to make the team better. Um, and I think he's going to be around for a while. How impactful early in your career, Jeremy, was it? I know that you were back and forth early on in the D-League, but then a couple of seasons with Oklahoma City. How impactful was it to come up with guys like Westbrook and Durant and learn from them? Or even, you know, Serge Ibaka, who's come on and had a great NBA career and become an NBA champion, having all of those veterans there um, in that locker room with you when you were first coming up in the league? Oh, it was huge. Um you know, they, they, they set they, they set the bar for me. Um, you know, when I when I first when I first got in the league, I'm I'm looking at these guys, you know, they're all stars, they're great players in the league and they're seeing their work ethic, you know, makes you wanna work. And um they really, you know, like I said, set the bar high for me and I um had to meet those expectations and I've just really um, tried to carry those habits and um, the the advice that they've given me, um, you know, on uh, through my career. Jeremy Lamb is our guest on the Omnisource guest line. Jeremy, if the Pacers were to come to, let's say they hold a meeting this week and they say, okay, guys, it's important for us as an organization to be involved in the community as well as being very good basketball players. If you had to pick like a different charity or something just to to keep an eye on in Indianapolis, is there anything in particular that you've done over the course of your career away from the court that is close to your heart or that you like philanthropically to get involved in in a community once you get established as a player? Um, I've done small things. I used to have a, um, a little uh, shoe giveaway. I've done different different things um for kids um but i haven't done much but i love to do like camps and things like that um just get out there in the community different ymcas and um like i said going to schools and doing shoe giveaways um because i know how tough it was you know to get a nice pair of shoes growing up for me so um or just showing my face you know when i was young if, if i saw a professional basketball player it was it was like god so just just making kids feel the way that i felt um is huge for me um so yeah speaking of communities i think you're gonna find it very similar to oklahoma city and charlotte when i think of nba cities that are most like indianapolis from what i've heard i haven't spent a ton of time in those places but okc and charlotte are two that come to mind yeah, I mean, every everywhere I've been, um, it's been great for my career, and a lot of people have, um, you know, in the community and just the cities have really welcomed me, both in um, in um, Charlotte and OKC, and even in Houston. The, the little time I was there, people have always um, treated me great, and um, you know, I. I from what I hear, it's going to be the same thing here. And I can't wait to get out in the community and just, you know, meet fans and meet different people and just, um, you know, really start a new family. You know, Jeremy, um, here in Indianapolis, it's kind of an underrated 
restaurant city. There have become a lot more new restaurants that have opened up. And I'm curious, and there's a reason I'm asking this. Do you like Greek food? There are a couple of, there's a Greek festival here and things like that. Do you do you enjoy Greek food? I'm just, I'm curious. Well, I have a Greek friend, and he um, cooks and he puts his different style of seasonings and stuff on it. So I think I would. I haven't really, like, been to a Greek restaurant. Well, they, the reason I ask is because a lot of Greek dishes include lamb, and I'm curious if that would be weird for you to eat. Like, can you not – I would think if my last name's lamb, there's no way I'm eating it. I would feel like a cannibal. Now, is that totally weird? <laughs> you know what I mean? Have you ever eaten lamb? Nah, I eat lamb chops all the time. Is that Greek food? Actually, lamb I mean, chops, I mean, lamb I guess, chops, right? I guess, wouldn't be. Yeah. But you're right that Greek is very lamb heavy shanks, in lamb. I think. But right. what about sponsorship opportunities for like Greek islands Wait, or something on, like that? Lamb yeah, chops aren't, but lamb is. Lamb is very much used in a lot of Greek dishes. Right. But I don't think lamb oh, chops okay, themselves are viewed as Greek. You should get a lamb chops endorsement deal here in town, like the Kroger <laughs> lamb chops from Jeremy Lamb. Right? That would be perfect, wouldn't it? Yeah, that'd be nice. I'm going to put it out there. There you go. We'll See, do that for this you. is what we do for you, Jeremy. I mean, your agent gets you to Indiana, and then we take it from here, right? There you go. Hey, Jeremy, uh, we're, excited, we're excited to have you here. Best of luck this coming season. Thank you. Excited chop, to chop. be here. That's Jeremy Lamb, new pacer. See if that Greek food thing gets going. Jake, one of your favorite players, says his ego is dead. And he's looking to be the next Draymond Green with his new team. I'll tell you who I'm talking about when we return. It's Quarry and Schultz. Voice to be heard? Dial us up now at 239-1260. This is Quarry and Schultz on Fox Sports 97.5 and 1260 AM. Thanks again to Jeremy Lamb for joining us. Jake, I'm going to read a quote to you. I'm going to put you on the spot. You give me the wildest guess who said this. NBA player. Okay. Former NBA star, really. Current NBA player? Current NBA player, yes. And a former former star. star. Okay. Getting older now. Quote, I don't have an ego. It's dead. It had to die for me to be who I am. Sometimes when you want to become who you want to be, you have to die within yourself. Once you learn that you have to give up yourself for the team, that's when things flourish. I had a conversation with someone, and he said, to be honest, man, I always thought you had the best to be one of the – you had the chance to be one of the best to ever play. But I don't think you've been focused. I started to sit back and think about what he meant. I thought I was focused. I was always in the gym working, but was I really focused? Was I really locked in on what I was doing in life? He's okay. one of your all-time favorites. Guy that you've caped for many times on this show. Let me ask you two questions, Derek. Does this player have a ring? Uh, no. A chip, as the kids say. Does not have a chip. I hate that term, by the way. Did this player, within the last two years, have a change of address? Yes. Did this player play collegiately? At a school that has faced Indiana in a Final Four. How about this? And I don't know if this will give it away or not. This player did not play collegiately. Okay. That's a... Here we go. Uh, Has this player now played for like <laughs> 10 different franchises? It sure feels like it. I don't know if he's gotten a 10. It's got to be Dwight Howard. Yes, yeah, Dwight Howard. 
Dwight Howard, I looked up, the, uh, Derek. Here's a good trivia question for you. Another thing that you might have missed in my Twitter barrage, because I was live tweeting the top 100 Casey Kasem songs of 1983, so uh, some things got lost. Dwight Howard is set now to play for his seventh NBA franchise. Yikes. Okay. For number one overall picks in the draft, that is second most. What player that was a number one overall pick has played for more franchises than any other in NBA history? And he, Dwight Howard is tied with seven. So if you can guess either the player he's tied with or the player with the most, I'll be impressed. So a number one pick to have played for seven teams? Or more, correct. Wow. Jeez. Uh, Did Joe Smith play for seven teams? He is number one, Derek. He played for 12 teams. Wow. 12 teams. I had no idea he played for 12. I know that he bounced around. I, I didn't even know if he got to seven. Think about that. Remember, he was going to go to the Timberwolves on that big deal, and uh, and they got popped for tampering, right? That there, sounds There was right. something illegal with that deal. I don't remember what it was. This was probably around the turn of the century, like 2000 or 2001. I mean, that's a lot of teams, man. Yeah, that's a lot. Uh, there's one other player. I've got to look it up that also has played for seven. Not Kwame Brown. There are a lot that have played for like five franchises, but I mean Dwight Howard now on his seventh. That's I mean, a lot. Howard is going to have to, um, and he'll soon be on his eighth because he's going to get waived and become a free agent. It'll be really hard for Howard to salvage any face, but and this is going to sound weird. Because people have such a negative perception of him. By the way, Danny Manning, the other that has played for seven. Jake, Dwight Howard is going to walk into the Hall of Fame. Isn't that crazy? He's going to walk into the Hall of Fame. Like, his candidacy is not even a question. Went to eight All-Star games. He was an eight-time All-NBA player. He was the three-time Defensive Player of the Year. You know, people don't like that. Because he wasn't a winner and he was a malcontent. And, you know, Dwight Howard's career has just been weird. It's a weird career. But he's going to be a Hall of Fame player. For a a Hall of Fame that makes guys like Chris Webber finalists, Dwight Howard is going to be a Hall of Fame player. The Dwight Howard is the classic example, Derek, of a guy that I, I don't know. I mean... He was a wonderful talent. He could absolutely rebound the basketball, no doubt about it. Part of it is not necessarily even Dwight Howard's fault, and who am I to say that because I think he absolutely is like a selfish, you know, whatever. But the game's just kind of gotten away from what it is that Dwight Howard did, right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, the old kind of in-the-paint big man. Yeah. Who cares? Do you really need that? It's it's nice to have, sure, but who cares? I, I think Dwight Howard is the classic example of a guy that tried to make everyone happy. And when you're going to do that, then you're just people are going to think that you're a fraud i mean dwight howard when i think of words to describe dwight howard besides weird i think of fraud because he said what he thought were the right things to say he tried to make people happy but in reality his motives never lined up with what he said 
I would agree with that, yeah. But really... Where is he going to now? You have to... I mean, he hasn't been... He really hasn't been relevant since leaving Orlando. I mean, really, right? The Lakers, the one season in L.A. was a total disaster. I guess he was... I even forget he was in L.A. He was sort of okay with Houston, I guess. But really, he's never been that the same player again since leaving Orlando. I mean, that was the last time that he made an All-NBA first team. And really, outside of that, the the only reason he was making All-NBA teams after that was because they had to pick a center. It's like how Rudy Gobert is a really great player, but is Rudy Gobert one of the 15 best players in the league? No, of course not. But you have to have a center. Here are the teams, Derek, that Joe Smith played for in his NBA career. This is a number one overall <laughs> pick, okay? Yeah, fire away. Um. Golden State, Philadelphia, Detroit, Minnesota, Milwaukee, Denver, Chicago, Oklahoma City, Cleveland, Atlanta, New Jersey, Los Angeles. Yeah, I I think I might have remembered him being on the Cavs. Would he have played with LeBron very briefly? Maybe. I remember him with the Hawks. Well, if he played 12 years and he was drafted in or he played for 12 teams he was drafted in 95 then he would have had to have lined up with LeBron at some point I would think yeah I guess you're right yeah I have no recollection of Joe Smith as an Oklahoma City Thunder no me neither yeah I'm, I'm surprised that he was still in the league when the Oklahoma City Thunder were around to be honest that's crazy 239 1260 60 seconds from now more hoops talk also an update on the Malcolm Brogdon situation it's Corian Schultz